Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi. We hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome. Well, hello and welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. It's so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to dive into this episode on one of our big players in the Eagle and Child. So the Eagle and Child uh, was named after the Eagle and Child pub where um, the Inklings would gather together and just discuss their new literary ideas and creations together. And uh, that included C.S. Lewis and Tolkien as the two big people who were there. We've already done an episode on C.S. Lewis, but we haven't yet done an episode on J.R.R. Tolkien. And uh, when I was thinking about who I could invite as a guest to um, just dive deep into Tolkien, I couldn't think of anyone better than Jasmine Edwards. She is a super fan. She knows Tolkien better than anyone that I could um, ever think of. And I'm so blessed and excited to have her with us. Uh, Jasmine is uh, married to someone that you all would probably know if you're from the Theos U background, uh, Nathan Finocchio. Uh, She lives here in Franklin. We're recording this in Franklin, Tennessee. And she is a writer. She's working on a few novels. And she also loves writing about classic movies as well. So just an awesome woman to uh, connect with and get into those sorts of things together. So thank you so much for joining us, Jasmine. It's so great to have you with us. Thanks, Layla. Thanks for that big wrap. I don't know if I deserve all that, but thank you. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And it's especially exciting when, you know, our guests have such a deep passion for the person that we're looking at. So, um, yeah, thanks so much for guiding us through Tolkien's life and uh, his writings and his impact and everything like that. So could you tell us maybe a little bit, just as we're diving into Tolkien, maybe about like his background, his biography, um, where did he come from? How was he formed? And Who is this guy that we're talking about? Yeah, for sure. It's funny you should ask that uh, because Tolkien actually disliked the idea of biography in general, but especially as literary criticism. So he's made multiple comments on that, like like in his writings and his letters. And um, his biographer, Humphrey Carpenter, touched on that as he went in Mm -hmm. to interview Tolkien for his biography. Um, I'll read you one of his quotes because... Obviously, Tolkien says it better than I can. He That's says, awesome. one, yeah, one of my strongest opinions is that investigation of an author's biography is an entirely vain and false approach to his works. So a <laughs> little bit awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry, but we're going to yeah. talk about it anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah. another thing he said is, I object to the contemporary trend in criticism with its excessive interest in the details of the lives of authors and artists, which only distract attention from an author's works. So, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. So I think it's safe to say he was a reasonably private person and he didn't want his works to be defined or judged on who people perceived him to be. Mm, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, but he was self-aware enough to make some notes and uh, <laughs> revise letters from his childhood and uh, mm. his later years. So I think he knew that someone would write about him, mm. at least one person. So 
Yeah. Yes, many people. Yes. I love the movie. You, you've seen the Tolkien movie, hey? Yes, and you know what's so funny? Um, I read a lot, but I find it difficult to, you know, talk. So I get nervous, you know, introvert vibes. So I've got a lot yeah. of notes here. But my oh, mum would always make fun of me as a kid because I would pronounce things the way I would read them. And she would always correct my pronunciation. So my whole life I've been saying Tolkien. I didn't even know how to yeah. pronounce his name until recently. Yeah. And I, I, this, feel like, yeah. That, I feel like most people are in that boat. Like when the movie came out, I feel like everyone was like, oh, it's Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That scene in the movie where he's like, Tolkien, actually it's Tolkien. So I feel kind yeah. of weird. I almost feel pretentious being like Tolkien. Tolkien. You know? We know how it's actually yeah. pronounced. So actually Tolkien, you probably already know this, has German origins. It's from his dad's Mm. side of the family. So uh, Tolkien's parents were Mabel Suffield and Arthur Tolkien. They were Mm. both from middle-class families um, in Birmingham, England. Mm. So the Suffields considered themselves a little bit mightier than the Tolkien's because the Tolkien's Mm. were originally immigrants, German immigrants. Um, yeah so but basically they both had the same kind of background in common where they had come from a little bit more money and then lost their fortunes by the time Mm. Mabel and Arthur were born Um, so Arthur had to go to South Africa to make money in order partly in order to be worthy to marry Mabel who was 13 years younger than him well yeah I know so (laughs) one of the reasons uh Mabel uh Tolkien's mum um, wasn't really allowed to marry Arthur, not just because he didn't have enough money or he was German, but also because she was 13 years younger. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. So when she was 21, she was finally allowed by her dad to get on a ship and travel to mm-hmm. Bloemfontein, if I'm pronouncing oh, that yeah. correctly, mm-hmm. which is South Africa in 1892 to meet up and they were married shortly after. Wow. Now, Mabel wasn't the biggest fan of South mm-hmm. Africa. She missed Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I've been there. Just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the climate didn't really agree with her. Um, but mm-hmm. Arthur was loving it. He was working at a bank. Uh, he was finding success as a manager and he actually loved the climate. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a little bit, he, I, I don't know if I'm, if I would dare to go this far, but some people think that he was a little absent but she seemed happy enough. She gave birth to John Ronald Real Tolkien <laughs> on the 3rd of January, 1892. Mm. Now, the name John came from his grandfather. Real was from his dad, Arthur's middle name, and Ronald mm. for no apparent reason. <laughs> just because they liked it. <laughs> yeah, they just liked it. And for whatever reason, I think because Mabel, his mum, preferred this name, um, he was known mostly by his family and friends as Ronald, not as John, throughout his life. But at one point he said that he didn't feel like it was his real name. So it's a bit confusing. Yeah, and some of his friends called him John Ronald or occasionally Tollers as he got older. Tollers, that's cute. That's very Aussie, hey, Tollers. Well, that's what I thought. It's like I yeah. read that it was a, nick- a nickname typical of the time, and I'm like, I feel like that's like a typical Aussie thing as well. Yeah, and 100%. probably came from England, like a lot of Aussie things. Yeah. So he had one younger brother, Hillary, and mm-hmm. stop me if you have any questions because I'm rambling. But <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, yeah. So when they were quite young, um, 
John, or I guess I should call him Ronald, he fell ill a number of times. The climate of South Africa didn't really agree with him, even though his mm-hmm. brother was thriving for whatever reason. And yeah. his mum, Mabel, thought that he should return to Birmingham for a while uh, just to get back in the English climate. So there was a, apparently mm-hmm. a general idea that the South African climate wasn't suitable for English people or children. I mean, I don't know mm. if it was a romantic idea or if it was mm. true, but I think she missed her family anyway, Mabel. Yeah, she so, wants to go back. Exactly. Poor thing. Mm. So mm. the three of them hopped on a ship back to Birmingham and spent some time with her family. And uh, his dad was supposed to come visit them and sadly he died shortly after oh, yeah nice. and he kept delaying and saying oh I'll be there soon I'll be there soon so yeah I think oh, Tolkien was like I want to say four or less like or younger so his dad wow. he didn't really have many memories of his dad and he had barely mm. any memories of his time in South Africa and he mm. actually felt like he said when he was older that he felt he related a lot more to his mum's side of the family. Mm. Now, I don't know if that was true, although he did physically resemble his mum's side of the family more, mm. or if he just kind of dismissed his dad because he didn't really spend mm. as much time with his dad's family. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, this is a lot, so. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, so um, not – oh, yeah, no, you go ahead. No. What you go ahead. Saying? I was just going to say, yeah, what what sort of happened after that? Like, I know he went to, like, university and stuff. And, um, yes. What, so what was his story from there? Basically, I'll try to do the shorter version because it's way too long. But um, yeah. not long after, his mum moved the two boys to the countryside and she mm-hmm. tutored them. She was pretty educated oh, wow. herself. Yep. Mm-hmm. So she, uh, he was reading and writing by age four. He was very interested in languages, oh. especially Latin. I know little genius four years old what the heck yep (laughs) he wasn't super interested in the piano although she did have a go and um they moved to this little village called Stairhole, and there was a corn mill which influenced the shire in the lord of the rings uh where the hobbits yeah and that's kind of yeah as i mentioned before he didn't love the idea of admitting that his real life influenced any of his works but he does admit um once it actually in the forward to the fellowship of the ring to the lord of the rings mm-hmm. he does admit that um this corn mill influenced the creation of the shire and years later when mm-hmm. he saw uh photos of it kind of changing and becoming you know built up it did upset him and mm-hmm. yeah so that was an interesting uh one mm-hmm. that was one time when he admitted his real life um <laughs> yeah he sounds yes. extremely private. He's, I don't know if it's just privacy, but I feel like it's also stubbornness. But I mm. actually relate to it personally, <laughs> so I don't mind it because I really like, I mean, this is kind of off the back of what you just said. Mm. I personally, the diff, one difference between him and C.S. Lewis, which, you know, mm. we, as you mentioned before, that uh, – the Eagle and Child pub is where they met. The Inklings was their mm. club later in life. They were kind of frenemies, they've been called. <laughs> yes. um, one difference between those two is that C.S. Lewis was maybe like a lot more blatant in his religious themes mm. in, you know, like yeah. the Narnia Chronicles, whereas Tolkien was very much like 
no, I'm not going to preach at people. Obviously, mm. that's not a quote, but that's how I'm summing mm. it up. So I actually mm. kind of personally relate to that because I'm kind mm. I prefer to just like let my story be my story, whereas some mm. other people that we know very well are more like <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. People that you're married to perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like as I was reading about um, Tolkien and a lot of the things he was saying and yeah. even like listening to some podcasts and hearing like quotes that he'd said, I was like, this sounds like me. I'm like I feel like I am him he is me and I feel like Nathan is like the C.S. Lewis to my Tolkien even though maybe (laughs) I don't want to like take that much credit because I feel like Tolkien's better but whatever (laughs) Tolkien is better yeah I love Tolkien and well you know maybe anyway (laughs) back to his childhood so basically his mum sadly passed away as well Mm. when he was right before that she converted to Catholicism which also had Mm. a huge influence on his life he was about eight Mm. years old at the time that was a really big deal um, because Mm. I think both sides of the family were basically Protestant and um, Mabel's dad was not impressed and there was a lot of friction between her and her family after that Mm. and um, they made friends with a priest called Father Morgan who ended up being (laughs) a kind of, I mean, I guess he was their guardian, the two boys' guardian after their mum died. Yeah, Yeah, so that had a big influence on him. And they moved in Mm. with uh, an aunt who kind of kept them while they went to school, the two boys. And that's pretty much the time that he was at school, he met his future wife, Edith. And she was also an orphan, yeah, in Birmingham. Wow, so, they found each other. These two. Authors. It's a yeah, it's a lot, yeah. but basically, yeah. he they found each other. But then Father Morgan separated them. I mean, you'll probably remember from the movie. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically, he number one, he said they were too young, and he wouldn't let them mm. even correspond via letters, let alone yeah. in person, until. Um, Tolkien was 21 but I think also the fact she was a Protestant was a little bit Mm. of a roadblock and Mm -hmm. it was fine because uh, Tolkien had his little group of friends and his first literary club in school and that helped distract him but then he and Edith got back together pretty much right after World War One broke out and they got married and off he went to the war. Wow. So yeah that was a big deal and then after that pretty much uh, was when he started writing more and more. His first published story was in, uh, it was a poem in 1915. Mm -hmm. So it was like the year after the war broke out and he hated Mm -hmm. it, of course. Like later on he talked about how it was a great disappointment and a terrible, embarrassing poem, you know, like (laughs) all great writers hate their work. Yeah, hate their own stuff. Yeah. It was a poem that he wrote for Edith, his wife, because she loved, you know, fairy stories and, uh, it was called Goblin Feet. Oh, wait, no. It was to celebrate her love of springtime. My bad. Aww. And he called it the unhappy thing, representing all that I came so soon after to fervently dislike. <laughs> but it was good okay. practice for his later work because there's over 60 mm. poems in Lord of the Rings. Wow. So he was a little bit of a poet. Yes. Yes. So anyway, flash forward, World War One, mm-hmm. horrible time. Most of his friends mm-hmm. died, um, really mm-hmm. sad. 
Um, and then he, they had four children together, him and Edith, uh, John, mm. Michael, Christopher, Priscilla. So I guess mm. a lot of people would be familiar with the name Christopher Tolkien because he mm. was the son who has, you know, edited and finished a lot of his father's works. And Tolkien was a very devoted father. He wrote The Hobbit first in 1937. Oh, sorry, it was mm -hmm. published in 1937. And mm -hmm. it was supposed to be a children's story. And it is, I guess. It's one of my favourite books, if not my favourite mm -hmm. book. And then yeah. The Lord of the Rings was supposed to be a sequel to that, but it became so much bigger. And mm -hmm. I guess it's part of his, like he talks in an essay on fairy tales a lot about like what fairy tales mm -hmm. are, what they aren't, how, you know, basically we should basically give more credit to children, you know, with the mm -hmm. scarier themes and things like that. Um, wow. So Lord of the Rings blew up. It became way bigger than just a sequel to The Hobbit. Mm. He wrote that over a number of years. In the middle of that almost was World War II, which, mm. again, he claims many times, multiple times that he wasn't influenced by in the mm -hmm. writing of, you know, especially like The Return of the King. And, um, I mean, who's to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> we can take him at his word. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what, what do you love so, about the Hobbit? You, were you saying that's your favorite? Oh, that's book? a good question. Yeah, I think it's. I haven't read it in a while, so I need to reread it and decide if it's mm. still my favorite. But I think it's mostly nostalgic. When mm. I read it, um, I think I came to Tolkien's work. For me, it was a little later. I mean, I was twelve or thirteen. Mm. I think I was thirteen when I read the, the Lord of the Rings. I might have been just a little younger with The Hobbit, but for me that was like I'd already mm -hmm. read Harry Potter or at least all the ones that were out. I'd read like tons mm -hmm. of English books and novels and fairy stories and all the classic fairy stories. So I was yeah. I actually read The Lord of the Rings between um, The Fellowship of the Ring movie and The Two Towers movie, I think. Or maybe mm -hmm. it was even between The Two Towers and The Return of the King. So I felt kind of late to the game being like 13, reading it like I'm an idiot, anything, I'm reading it after the movie, that's not cool, <laughs> but I remember reading it, I had the whole book in like one giant thing, and I'm like, it was so heavy, and I'm like, I went to work with my dad one day, and I'm like reading bits and telling him the difference Aww. between the movie and the uh, book, but The Hobbit, I liked the simplicity of it, um I loved uh it was just a great adventure story and I loved mm. adventure stories like both in movie mm. and book format growing up mm. so yeah it's a really yeah, good beautiful. book yeah mm. I think they kind of uh when they made you know Peter Jackson made the Hobbit movies he made it a little more blown overblown you know for various reasons than it should have been mm. um but the I think it's like the simplicity of the book that is its beauty mm. Yeah, because yeah, Lord of the Rings beautiful. is very long and it, it, that's its own thing. But, yeah, they're both good. Yeah. I love the yeah. fact that it can speak to all ages as well. Like you were saying you were about like 12 or 13 when you read it yeah. and like kids can read it but then also adults can read it and just um, just take it deeper in its themes and uh, how it can have a, an effect on you personally yes, um, in your exactly. own sort of journey and, and adventure in life. So maybe can you tell us, can you dive like maybe into some of those different works that um, Tolkien is known for? Um, yeah, like what, yeah. what should we be reading if we want to get into Tolkien? Like what are, what are some of the big works that we should 
yeah, dive into. Yeah, I mean, it, most people already know or should <laughs> already know, you know, his yeah. bigger works. So probably The Hobbit is a great one to start with for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Um, and then The Lord of the Rings, those are probably the two best ones. And then we've got all the like the unfinished tales and the appendices and all kinds of other beautiful stories, um, including mm-hmm. stories. So he did a lot of um, editing and uh, translating um, of, wow. you know, old English and all kinds of different languages. So he did like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, I believe. He's got a translation of that. So of other stories mm-hmm. that he's, you know, that he was really passionate about. So those are fun to read as well. The Silmarillion mm-hmm. is a big one. That's the mm-hmm. big kind of like boring to some people, you know, with <laughs> all the myths and the, you know, the myths of Middle Earth, which is cool. Um, mm. So obviously those would be the things he's the most well-known for, but he was also um, respected as, you know, a linguist and he loved mm. to learn and create his own languages and he was a professor as well um Mm. so yeah he had a lot going for him (laughs) just the idea of someone creating their own language like you have to be a bit of a genius to do that genius i know (laughs) it's insane in my in my mind he's all so i thought it was interesting that he um kind of wished that england had had more of a mythology And he was disappointed that they didn't have like more ancient, like their own kind of ancient mythology. Uh, I guess the closest would be something like, you know, King Arthur and the Round Table, Mm, but even that's more of a French thing. So Mm, he, and he loved those stories. So I think in Star, I mean, he's obviously almost written his own mythology with Middle Earth. Mm. And I think yes. partly that's what he set out to do in creating that mm. world and all the beautiful languages. And it is obviously like very much uh, influenced by England and, you know, the landscape mm. and the history, and which is really cool. So in some ways mm. he created his own, which is nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Um, awesome. So, um, Jasmine, can you tell us maybe like the impact that Tolkien has had um, and his work has had on us today and on, you know, Christians and the world yeah. and what sort of influence has he been able to have with his with his writing and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I can mostly just speak for myself. Um, mm. But I think in general, obviously, you know, one of the best-selling stories of all time wow. uh, in The Lord mm. of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, one of the most influential stories of all time. Mm. I think he also added a lot of gravitas to um, just the genre of fantasy in general, which was not really mm-hmm. a respected genre. It's still not respected at times, but, you know, he gave high fantasy more of a respectable mm. name. I think to this day you'd be hard-pressed to not find a fantasy writer um, who is influenced by Tolkien. Wow. And yeah, I, I'd say he's definitely the most influential wow. um, in that genre. And yeah, it's still going strong. I mean, now we've got all the, they just keep coming, the new TV shows like and Game <laughs> of Thrones and, you know, it just keeps wow. going. So, And wow. then for Christians, um, I guess for me, he, I think I love the way he balances uh, fantasy and fiction mm. and fairy tale um with Mm. his religious beliefs so he doesn't feel like you know 
And for me, that was really helpful because I grew up reading a lot of like fiction and fairy tales and mm. I was very into all of that stuff. And I love that mm. um, you can look at that through a Christian lens, especially mm. with his work and I guess many similar works mm. like C.S. Lewis's stories and then mm. other stories that are influenced by Tolkien. So I think it's nice that you don't have to choose. You don't have to say, yeah. Ooh, you know, because that's got mm. some kind of, you know fairy tale element to it it's bad or demonic or whatever mm. else yeah um yeah I think that that was really cool for me and mm. I think someone like a lot of people especially someone with my kind of personality type <laughs> we're actually better at understanding deep themes through storytelling mm. so I Beautiful. think that yeah that's been really important uh, for me and the way that I see the world and understand things. It's mm. been like a very beautiful and um, important way, especially in regards to my faith. So, yeah, yeah, I think his influence goes on and on. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know, like, he had influenced, like, all of these fantasy writers and everything as well. I didn't realise oh, just yeah. how prolific his impact was um incredible so, so um oh yeah george sorry, george martin who wrote game of thrones i think he's he's called himself george r r martin i believe and i'm pretty <laughs> Name, sure he like, added the R's. yeah because he's such a <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong anyone but it's, oh, it's either know. george r martin or george r r martin i can't remember which one he did but i know that that he's a huge tolkien fan so wow yeah it's pretty funny yeah amazing um yeah so maybe like because we usually talk about some like funny stories about people but we've both also been to Hobbiton in New Zealand Um, yes you've been there right yeah like tell us a little bit about that because like I think any like huge fan of um Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and stuff should definitely visit there at some point Um, so tell us about your experience yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough to go there in 20, uh, 2020, actually, right before mm. COVID hit, like the month before. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. Crazy. So I went with a couple of friends and Nate, and it was a rainy day, but one of those days mm. where the sun is out and it's raining, so we got the full experience and mm. – um, yeah, I mean, you've been there. It's beautiful going around to yeah, all the different so. hobbit holes, hearing about mm. how um, I believe they got rid of the set after the Lord of the Rings, but then they rebuilt it for the Hobbit movies wow. and then they kept it ever since. And now they have mm. local people who I believe own the land and help caretake, which is really oh, nice. Wow. And, you know, had a little drink at the pub, the <laughs> Green Dragon. <laughs> Very cool fun yeah it was really nice took some photos New Zealand's beautiful so they couldn't yeah. they couldn't I mean you'd think England but there couldn't have been a more beautiful place to totally. film those movies honestly yeah absolutely oh I loved it I loved it and um yeah I got a whole bunch of photos and stuff as well the one thing that struck me was just the attention to detail like that they put into they were telling us a story about that tree there were, we, right. Did you hear that story about the tree and the it had party like, tree? Yeah, something like that. And it had like maybe three hundred thousand leaves that they had created for it, or something. Am I oh right? Oh my gosh! That? The people who worked on those movies. When I was a, like a young 
I guess, a teenager and all the DVDs came out with the extended editions and they had the behind yeah. the scenes, like hours and hours and hours. It was my dream to be on that movie set. <laughs> like we're at a workshop so and cool. all the all the work they put in painstakingly yeah. to every detail, like the, the miniatures detail. to the costumes, to the weapons, to the stunt doubles. Like they did such a beautiful job. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so imp- inspiring, like for us mm. as I think, like creatives, artists, writers. Yes. Um, to really put your all into the work and really, like, you know, value every part of it, not just sort of like, you know, think that it's not important, that art's not important, that story's not important. Because I loved how you yeah. mentioned before that, like, this actually helped build your faith, like your understanding yeah. and your concepts of faith and stuff. So it's a really powerful tool that can be used. Um, you know, to influence people for for the gospel and, and for God and, yeah, it can just have a really profound and deep impact mm. on people, just deeper than just like a surface level of entertainment. It's actually something that's that goes into like a, a, a person's spiritual formation and their identity formation and different things like that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. definitely. And I think, um, you know, Tolkien was aware of that mm. as much as he probably mm. didn't want to be. Because even though he said he didn't like allegory, so he didn't like mm. being told what he set out to mean, but he was okay mm. or he understood application, which is mm. he, people can't help but, you know, make applications. And mm. it's the freedom of the reader to, you know, apply meaning to what we read. Mm. So definitely like in terms of mm. our religious beliefs, we have applied mm. meaning and I think that's yeah. cool. And I don't think you yeah. mind that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I loved Hobbiton. It was so cool. And um, growing up, so I grew up in New Zealand. Um, oh, I forgot and- about that. Yeah, That's yeah, and so one cool. of our friends actually from Wellington, she had a horse, and so she was one of the extras. It was a lady, like one of my parents' friends, um, but she was like in one of the Lord of the Rings movie, like galloping on the horse and and stuff like that. So pretty. Crazy. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. That yeah. would have been my dream. She's yes, probably like one exactly. of the writers of Rohan. <laughs> totally, totally. So I can see unfair. you doing that. I can absolutely. Oh, if see I could, you doing if that. I could ride a horse confidently. I would have loved to have been an elf. Do you think you would be um, an elf, a man, a dwarf, a hobbit, or a wizard? Oh, good question. What would your friends or family say you would be? I would love to be an elf. I feel like people would say that I'd be a hobbit, though. Oh, that's so funny because (laughs) my my sister was watching the movies recently, I think, and she said she was – or maybe she was watching the new Amazon Prime show – and she yeah. said that she was talking with her husband about um, how she thinks our whole family are hobbits. She's like, we're all hobbits. <laughs> awesome. And I'm in the group chat and I'm like, no, I'm oh, an elf. She's like, yeah, no, you're I, a hobbit I too. I'm like, elf. no, I'm an elf. <laughs> I'm like, speak totally, for yourself, totally. commoner. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like Nate would fancy himself a wizard. I'm like, maybe, yes. Rad- maybe Radagast the Brown. The yes. eccentric guy that like goes around on a sled. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that sounds like Nathan. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, maybe Jasmine, I know you've got a few books with you. Can you maybe uh, tell us like some of the quotes that have impacted you or some of the big quotes from Tolkien's work? 
that yeah um, I mean there's so many I feel like Mm. um Gandalf has all the best quotes Mm. oh absolutely you know what I mean so maybe I'll just read like a couple of his but I got one it's just nice to read it from the book yeah (laughs) I mean story time with Jasmine story time we should do this for the whole hour um yeah (laughs) I feel like most of people already know this quote one of the most Mm. famous ones but Mm -hmm. for good reason it's so good it's in the Mm. movie as well more or less changed a little bit so Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. Mm. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. It's just mm. short and sweet, but every that. time, yeah, every time I hear, I think of that quote or say it out mm. loud or whatever, I get really emotional. I'm like, because ah, I'm mm. such a baby like I'm so sensitive and things in the world really bother me and that's like that Mm. quote has really uh helped me like Mm. you know learn how to cope and and make sense of it which is nice Mm. and another one uh, that Gandalf said which I love which again people will be very familiar with uh Mm. when him and Frodo are talking about Gollum and whether or not Bilbo should have killed Gollum when he had the chance I feel like this mm. quote is really cool because it deals with judgment and who is fit mm. to judge. Wow. So Gandalf, so Gandalf says, <clears throat> many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not mm. be too eager to deal out death in judgment for even the very wise cannot see all ends. Mm. And anyway, there's more to it, but I just think that's really cool it's like who are you to yeah, know if that absolutely. person deserves death you know mm. and another one that he says about um the third age of middle earth ending and a new age beginning I find really interesting because mm. I know Tolkien like myself disliked <laughs> a lot of modernity and he loved mm. old things and yeah. um <laughs> so I think it's kind of cool that Gandalf is helping uh, come to terms with a new age beginning. So he says, because mm. I know that maybe Tolkien wouldn't like that, a new age beginning, and I also <laughs> don't like that. Yeah. Anyway, he says, the third age of the world is ended and the new age is begun, and it is your task mm. to order its beginning and to preserve what must be preserved. For though much has been saved, much must now mm. pass away. So I think wow. that's cool. I just like the persp- mm. the balanced perspective. Mm. Another one he says, which is short and sweet, I will yeah. not say do not weep for not all tears are an evil. I feel like that's mm. cool. Yeah, and, that's um, beautiful. It's nice because I cry a lot, so obviously I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I You're like, like, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, I do like there's a lot of talk, a lot of like fan videos on TikTok. I'm mm. on TikTok a lot which yeah. I shouldn't be but you know of the <laughs> especially the movies but talk uh mm. like some fan edits of the male characters and how mm. the male characters are like such great examples of um masculinity because a lot mm. of them are like obviously they're brave but they're also quite like mm. gentle and loving to one another mm. and I think that a lot of that probably came from you know Tolkien's close friendships that he had especially in high school and mm. college beautiful and um yeah I think that's a, a really nice thing like the fellowship mm. you know is mm. really cool between the men because obviously it's a lot of male characters which is fine yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't mind even on yeah. inter- 
for Women's Day, which is today. Thanks a lot, Tolkien. No, actually, yeah. I, he he wrote beautiful female characters too. He loved mm, his mom. Yeah. His mom educated uh, him, mm. and he loved and respected his wife. But you know, he was a man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. who his yeah. best friends are going to be. Yeah, oh, exactly. They're awesome. And they're beautiful, beautiful characters, quote. like they're relatable to anyone, I think, you know, like a, yeah. I guess maybe you would call it a universal character. It's universally relatable because it's well-written. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely see yourself in the characters for sure. Yeah. Um, so we usually like to sort of finish up by looking at like maybe some interesting facts or a fun story or something like quirky mm. that we didn't know about the person. Uh, do you know anything about Tolkien sort of in that? Vain. Yeah, well, I could tell you yeah. a couple of funny, just like two facts about Lord of the Rings that changed yeah. as he wrote it. So one is that he was considering a romance between Aragorn and Eowyn, no which way. is kind of like, ooh, the love triangle. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. And then another one, which is kind of funny, is, you know, they call, they introduce Aragorn as Strider when you first meet him. Okay, yeah. And he was originally called Trotter. <laughs> which I think is a dumb name, but uh, yeah, like, that's trotter. a good change. But it's because he was a hobbit with wooden shoes, so not very <laughs> sexy. Yes, he was a man slash descended yeah. from, you know, ancient uh, part elf. Um, but a fun fact about, I guess, one thing that I thought was kind of funny that I learned recently is that Tolkien and I believe C.S. Lewis hated Disney and Walt Disney. Ooh. And they talked really? a lot of crap about him. <laughs> and I thought it was funny, uh, especially like Disney's still so big these days, like that, you know, they own everything now. And uh, Tolkien was very adamant that they would never um, adapt his work. And I think at one point his publisher might maybe like went behind his back to try to like make a deal. And Disney no. was like, no, it's too expensive. Like, we won't do that. So I don't think he would have been very happy with that. But oh, he did describe. Grave. Yeah, no, I think it might have even been while he was still alive, which is kind of oh, like, yeah. yeah. He described Disney's work as vulgar and <laughs> Walt Disney as simply a cheat who is hopelessly corrupted by profit-seeking. Whoa. I, I know, rough. I recognize his tell talent. Us, tell us what you re- what you really think, Tolkien. Honestly, rude. tell us how you really feel. Gosh, I recognize his talent. Nice, but it has yeah. always seemed to me hopelessly corrupted. In most of his pictures, there are admirable or charming passages, but the effect of all of them is to me disgusting. <laughs> Some have <laughs> oh given me nausea. <laughs> He's a little harsh, but I know that he and C.S. Lewis went to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and it came out, I believe, the same year that The Hobbit was released, at the end oh. of the year. And yeah. he was offended by the dwarves because he had very oh. strong ideas about how dwarves should be, and he didn't like things yeah. to be kind of twee and, like, childish. You know, he wanted yeah. them to be a little more respectable, and, you know, obviously his mm. dwarves were warlords <laughs> wow so, yeah it, was he some some sort of purist or something I don't understand oh, like with the writing terms but like yeah. purist in fantasy or mythology or something like that that he didn't like yeah. anyone using it yeah in other ways I think in a lot of ways he was a 
purist I mean probably Mm. but I think you know he had these very strong ideas about fairy tales Mm. and fairy tale Mm. characters and he didn't like it to be childish Um, Mm. and he developed those ideas as he got older and but even as Mm. a kid he wasn't really keen on certain fairy tales like I don't think he loved like the Mm. Grimm's fairy tales but he liked more like the knights and the dragons he was a lot more interested in uh, men in fairy tales like the adventure of men and what they learn and and obviously he has all the creatures as well but they're so interesting yeah wow pretty cool and I wonder if he was looking because obviously he said his father died when he was four years old I wonder if he was looking to them in some way to sort of like you know influence him and and model to him you know what a man is supposed to be or I don't know as a as a young kid or something yeah I don't know like obviously he had Mm. the um priest which was yeah his kind of guardian and and like male figure in his life and then he had like close male friendships his whole life which Mm. was really cool and peers Mm. but yeah it's interesting you can definitely read into all Mm. of that if you want um but I don't know if he had daddy issues I mean maybe sure maybe he did but he seemed to kind of just almost oh that I don't even remember my dad you know what I mean so yeah it's interesting maybe yeah thank you so much Jasmine is there anything else that you'd like to share about Tolkien anything that you want to leave us with if if uh, our listeners our watchers uh want to dive into Tolkien is there anything that they should know before we head off I would definitely recommend – can you hear me? Sorry. My yes, yes. AirPods are mucking up. I would definitely recommend um, reading his uh, essay on fairy tales. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good one. And mm-hmm. um, I could read a quote from that because I think it's really yeah. cool, if you don't mind. <laughs> Another of, quote. Of course, please. Yeah. So he says, for it is man who is, in contrast to fairies, mm-hmm. supernatural which I think is really interesting. So he's basically mm. saying men are more supernatural than the idea of Amazing. Such uh yeah, sorry. Whereas they are natural, far more natural than he. Such is their doom. The road to fairyland is not the road to heaven nor even to hell. Though some have held that mm. it may lead thither indirectly by the devil's tithe. Anyway, mm. there's so many good like oh, there's mm. one more that I love. I read this one. Yeah. Uh, but I love that he's saying that he's like, it's not this way, it's not that way, it's not so mm. deep, it's not evil, but it, it's, you know. Fairy mm. contains yeah. many things beside elves and fays and besides dwarves, witches, trolls, giants or dragons. It holds the seas, mm. the sun, the moon, the sky and the earth and all the things that are in it, tree and bird, water and stone, wine and bread mm. and ourselves, mortal men, when we are enchanted. Mm. That's one of my favourite Tolkien quotes actually. That's wow, a really beautiful. good one. Yeah, it's so mm. cool. So I definitely recommend it's a very, very long essay, but there's so much okay. uh, good stuff in it and you can just Google it. It's available awesome. online. Yeah. And, oh, one last thing. Have you been to yeah. the Eagle and Child pub? 
No, I need to go. I'm going I to have... England in October. Oh, tell us about it. You have to go. It's so cute. I went. Yes. I went and sat at the little table where they allegedly oh. uh, with C.S. Lewis and you know Tolkien. No. Their friends allegedly sat, and I had a pint. And oh my god, I looked god. out and you know felt like a nerd. <laughs> it was. You'll love it. It's beautiful. I'm so excited. Yeah. 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 Can't wait. And I've never been to like Oxford or anything either. Like very oh, excited so to cute. sort of immerse myself in their world you know 100 percent. So you'll cool. love it yeah well thank you so much jasmine thanks for joining us uh if people want to check out your stuff online like where could they find you where could they connect with you yeah so uh there's not <laughs> me and my <laughs> private world there's not a whole lot going on i do have an instagram called at lone wolves club where i review classic cool. movies so that's like yep. a fun little project that i do with a friend that we're expanding on soon um, awesome. Hopefully we'll have a website up with all the reviews and and uh, some drink pairings to go with them. Um, cool. And yeah, I'm working on my own fantasy novels. So just remember Beautiful. my name, I guess, in the next decade because it's probably going to take me at least that long to finish it. But so cool! Yeah. Can you give us maybe yeah. like a yeah a, like peep into like what you're writing about, or is it total secret, top secret? Uh, well, it might change a lot. Uh, yeah. that's another thing <laughs> I could just go on forever, but that's another thing that I like about what Tolkien said. Like he does talk mm. about how, which I agree with, you kind of discover the story as it goes, mm. like the story's in you and you're discovering it. And, you know, we're not the primary creator, like God is the primary creator, Beautiful. but we're recreating creation. And I feel like Beautiful. that about stories, it, it comes to you as you mm. write it, but it's definitely a mm. fantasy series. Uh, in an immersive fantasy world and my continent is or my country I guess is more kind of based on Italy because I love Italy Ooh, rather than beautiful the, yeah that's all I'll oh, tell that you sounds amazing <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure we're all excited to read it thank you so much for joining oh. us uh Jasmine um and thank you to everyone who's watching or listening to us today we will catch you next time on the Eagle and Child podcast see you then Thanks so much for tuning in to the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.